0: Welcome, everyone. It is me, Dr. Derek Williams, here with you. I'm really excited for today's episode. I have a couple amazing guests joining me, a couple of my favorite clients who also happen to be brothers, doctors Ross and Spencer Morgan. Thanks for being here, guys.
1: Thanks, Derek. Thanks for having Thanks me. Thanks for having us, Derek. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah. For those of you listening you will notice that Ross and Spencer sound very similar it's taken me some time to get used to their their voices but either way similar experiences and but at times Ross and Spencer maybe you clarify if there's anything that's important but
1: well only one of us is here right now so you know you'll have to guess which one <laughs> <laughs> we're definitely not two people <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm excited. I think this will be a fun interview. Partially because most of the time when we interview clients on this podcast, it's it's usually done at the end of our time working together where we're looking back on progress that has been made and like it's it's a lot of retrospective type of vision. And right now we are right smack dab in the middle of our 12-month timeline working together. So, I think it will be nice to give listeners an idea of kind of what it's like to be right in the middle of it as far as in the trenches and kind of working through things together. So before we kind of get into things, can you guys, I mean, you guys are in New York. Give us a little background, kind of tell us how you got to where you are, where specifically in in New York and a little bit about the practice.
1: We're in the Hudson Valley region. It's the upper Hudson Valley, closer to Albany. Although we live downstate, so it's an unusual setup. We're up here two nights a week. I purchased the practice with my ex wife in 2014. It was a three doctor, three hygienist practice. It was a single doctor owner. In 2015, Spencer, my brother, joined me. And then we expanded from eight chairs to 11. And now we're at 16. We have six full time hygienists. Spencer and I currently work two and a half days a week. And we have a full time associate who's with us, at, with, which a full time equivalent, which we call three days a week.
0: That was Ross. So Spencer, maybe you fill us in. How long have you been?
1: So as Ross said a, a little bit, I I, uh, I joined the practice in August 2016, and I became an owner in August 2017. And and like Ross was saying, when I got in, it was it was eight ops and. and Our primary objective was to expand the office as much as possible. We had a lower level, like Ross said. So we we first wanted to expand the the top. So we went from eight ops to 11 ops. And then we had a lower level where we were going to put in another five ops. And we got there, but we did that smack dab in the middle of COVID. So we actually completed construction downstairs, I want to say, April 2020. And then we were told we had to close our doors and we were only allowed to open for emergency purposes. So that kind of, you know, threw a rock in our in our system. And then when we got back, we were, we're, we were cooking for a little bit downstairs and then things kind of fell off. So we kind of had to start from scratch again and start to figure things out a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah. Let's talk a little bit. It would be good to maybe hear about kind of your your progress in the practice before working together. What are some of the ways that you kind of grew? I mean, you kind of talk about expanding a little bit. What was the focus on or the goals during that time period prior to us working together?
1: We were primarily an insurance practice. I would say we were about 80 to 85% insurance-based. And things were, were going pretty well before the pandemic because inflation wasn't really taking off and 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 our margins were fine but as things became more expensive and inflation got you know higher it, it, things got a lot tighter staff went up and expenses and everything just got more expensive but the the insurance rates they didn't really move much they didn't budge very much so so everything got a lot tighter so Ross and I had to make a lot of decisions on certain kind of insurances that we had to drop. And, and, and we went from, God, I, we were around 150 to 175 new patients a month. And we were going back down to somewhere around 60 to, to, to 50 new patients a month. So it, it became very difficult to, to maintain the same level of intensity that we had before, just because it was so hard to maintain those margins and, and, and run the practice with, with those obstacles in the way. Formerly, we had a business model which was was based on associates, and we realized as insurance reimbursement became more of a challenge through the pandemic that we, we had to adapt. And then we figured hygiene would be a good thing. So part of the logic in the expansion was there's huge hygiene demand. We have a six-month, five-month wait. Let's get more hygienists. And then, as everyone knows, or everybody who's listening knows, the cost of hygiene became incredibly expensive. We needed another, you know, a new plan. And that's when we, we, we started listening to the podcast and, and we, we started looking for some answers as to what to do to, to progress. And, and the, the size of the practice at the time was about two and a half million. And, and it was, we, we just, we were struggling to grow. Now, some people may say that that's great, but. When you see your income going down because expenses are going up, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel like growth, and we right. knew we had to make a change.
0: You kind of talk about when, when, when you talk about the practice and the expansion. It almost sounds a little bit like your thought process is okay if we just expand our our team, increase hygiene, or almost uh, kind of this horizontal expansion that that will get us where where we want to be and allow the growth. Is that correct?
1: It was pretty simply like that. Yeah. So we just figured more hygienists, more dentists, and that was going to help us grow. Well, what we looked at, I mean, when you look at the the cost of, let's say, I mean, some people pay specialists 50% of, of what they, I mean, if you're paying a hygienist at 35 or 40% with 60 left over, it just seemed like a model that was scalable. And, and not only that, we welcome the patients because the more hygienists we had, the more work we would have as dentists. So it, it just seemed like a, a logical way to grow the business by, by developing a strong patient base where if we kept our patients happy, they would want to continue to stay with us and we would need hygienists to service them because hopefully they wouldn't need, if we did our dentistry right, they wouldn't continue to need dental care they would just be needing servicing of hygiene. Yeah. preventative.
0: And we'll get into that a little bit more and kind of talk about some of the changes that we made that allowed us to kind of capitalize on that. One thing that I want to talk about real quick, that was kind of interesting to me is that Ross, you have been listening to business podcasts and Economics and like a lot of just general business things over the years. Long before you started listening to leaders in dentistry, right?
1: Yeah, I was and still am enamored with Berkshire Hathaway and the philosophy of Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger. And that framework to business was could be summarized in a few sentences. It was just buy good businesses at reasonable prices, and and good management must be in place because. I don't, I don't have the ability to do it. So I just thought of myself as, as, as not a manager. I thought of myself as an, as an owner. And, and, you know, I remember the first few years, I, I just wanted to be the person who brought apple pies for, for Thanksgiving. And, you know, I did do that, but there was more to it. And, and I just didn't want to get involved with day to day. I said, oh, you know, let the office manager deal with that. You know, that, that's, that's not for me. And, and I think that that was, with, with hindsight, I think that was short-sighted.
0: Yeah, it's a it's an interesting perspective and it and it makes sense which you know those are true principles but I think in general I mean especially you look at Warren Buffett and those people at very high level purchasing and and buying into large companies putting those people in place and I think in a way you were kind of skipping a step you were you were almost wanting to skip the step from being the 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 leader and the person on the front lines getting your team to where they wanted to be and wanting to almost be more kind of the owner and the, and the investor that hoping that if you if you had a good team that they would kind of figure things out and kind of run things on their own
1: yeah i think that's fair to say i i wanted to put trust in in our team and and i think that's something that we have worked through with with you derek but i think skipping a step is true i, I think a, before, I think to have the expectation that these people, that, that our team would be just in place and everything would be working out well, it was naive. And, and, and I, I fully realized through through you and, and just through more leadership podcasts that I do have to be that guy before I become the guy with, who's delivering the pie. So I'm sure there are cases where, where people have pulled that off and they have managers that are fantastic and, but th- th- that was, that was not my case.
0: So talk through the numbers a little bit, you know, where was, where was the, the practice in, in the beginning and then how did things go? What was that like when you were, you know, you were, you were growing and you did have, have success to an extent and talk through kind of that, that progress during that time period.
1: That first year practice before I purchased, it was doing a little under 2 million that first year, we went to about two and a half million. And I was barely working and I felt much smarter than I actually am. And I would say it was this modest early success that that prevented me from taking an interest in what, what people in our industry were saying. I, I wasn't really, I didn't know podcasts existed and maybe they didn't in 2014, but I was making good money and I wasn't working a lot. And I think over time being somewhat focused on personal progress, just at, from a personality standpoint, I grew frustrated with my lack of growth and, and the business's uh, lack of growth from our initial pop. So we stayed stuck around $2.5 and, and, and I started feeling like a failure. I, I found myself working more three days a week, and margins compressed, and variable costs rise, and I was making less, and, and I, was, I felt dissatisfied. I was not happy with so fast forward to 2022, and I stumbled across your podcast. I think I listened to 15 episodes within a couple of days. We adopted some of the ideas from the podcast, and that was successful. And then in the fall of 2022, we purchased the TLP Online Academy, and we, we immediately saw a return from the content. And then starting in 2023, we decided we could make even more progress with, with Taylor one-on-one coaching.
0: So it's great that you found value, kind of in in both of those things. And we often talk about kind of our different levels of of service that we provide to dentists, as far as on the lower end being TLP Academy, and then in the middle the Mastermind Group, and then on the on the top tier would be you know doing the one on one coaching that's very tailored. So I'd be interested, you know, just share a little bit of your experience, like where where have you found value like if you could if you could just share one aspect that kind of stands out or you know what comes across your mind what would that be
1: I think where I found the most value is utilizing our time while we're in the office more efficiently and what I mean by that is I always used to talk to Ross about how much time am I spending in my office sitting in front of my computer versus sitting at a chair with a patient And uh, we would talk about it in like percentage of capacity, like, oh, I think I'm probably about 20% capacity or 30% capacity. And we wanted to be working significantly more. So I think that the big thing for me was trying to be more efficient. And there's a book that you recommended to me called The Goal, which really opened up my eyes to becoming the rate limiting factor, where I would be the person who would set the 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 pace for for how much is getting done in the office, and I didn't want to have to wait for whether it be patience or, or assistance. I just wanted to to go at my pace and be able to be as efficient as I possibly can while I'm here,
0: yeah, I think that's a huge key to developing a lifestyle practice because the the key component to a lifestyle practice is is increasing the ROI on your time as much as possible. And if you're in the office and you're not doing dentistry and you're not being productive, you're doing other things that could be outsourced to other team members or even other companies, or you're just you know sitting on your hands or on your phone or something, that's not a real good use of your time. And almost every single client that I work with there's always room to improve and and to grow that. And so, yeah, I think that book is really good at understanding that because in every process, there's going to be a rate-limiting step. The goal is not to eliminate rate-limiting steps. It's to set up the system in a way so that your bottleneck falls on something specific. So in a, in a car factory, you know, usually there's like a most expensive piece of machinery in the assembly line. And that is part of what he talks about in the goal. And in, in that situation, you want that to be your rate limiting step. And in our practices, we as dentists are the most expensive piece. Everything needs to revolve around the dentist and the time with them. And so the goal is getting all the systems and everything else in place so that the dentist can be the the rate right limiting step.
1: Yeah. Really for us, you know, I, I remember when the, the schedule would get busy and, and somebody would come in and there would be an extra procedure that we could do, but we only had, let's say one assistant. And I would say to Ross, man, I need you to do this other procedure. And he'd be like, are oh, you going to drive the assistants nuts? And, and it never really occurred to us like, just get another assistant. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, like like, why are you gonna drive one person out when so you could just have two people? And it was just like an aha moment, like, oh, I could just have two assistants, my brother will have two assistants, so we could do significantly more work. Yeah, I, I I'm gonna echo Spencer's thought there. I I I think that it w- it's amazing to me that we would have no problem paying 50% for a specialist or 40% for a dentist or or, 40, or 35, 40% close for a hygienist. But when it came to our auxiliaries, to our assistants, we weren't willing to spend more and we just weren't thinking about it. And it just never occurred to me, wow, wait wait a second, Ross, you could be a lot more productive if you just start thinking about your assistants in a different way. And, and I think TLP opened my eyes to a radically different way of thinking about the profession than before. This may sound ridiculous, but I felt dentists who were getting involved in the business or coaching or teaching a management, I, I felt I, I thought they were charlatans and who, who wanted to do this to supplement their income because they, they were struggling with their own practices. I I said to myself, why would they waste their time teaching management and and leadership? But the reality is, while I'm sure that some of this exists, I didn't feel this way about TLP and I didn't feel this way about you, Derek, I didn't feel this way about Justin or Steve. I I felt that you guys had tapped into something that was genuine, real, and very useful.
0: Yeah. Thank you. I think, yeah, that's interesting. I've definitely thought about that at times, you know, and I've thought about that sometimes in a sense of looking at people that give advice for investments, you know, I think, wait, why would they Why would they be selling their advice on what to invest in when they could be doing it on their own, you know, and, and investing and making a lot of money and managing funds and and different things like that. And to an extent, that's still a little bit not answered in my mind, but, you know, and I have thought that at times, man, if, if I'm relatively skilled in this area, why don't I go bigger? You know, have multiple practices and train the associates in the same way that I work with, with clients. And there's honestly, there's probably still a part of me that likes that, that idea, but ultimately there is an intangible feeling that comes with coaching and seeing other dentists grow and get their life where they want to be. You know, don't get me wrong. Coaching is still profitable for me, but there are also relationships that I have with many dentists that I feel that the trajectory of their lives is changed forever. And that's something that, you know, you, you can't put a dollar figure on. For me, you kind of liked what you what what you saw as far as the the podcast, and kind of decided that uh, we were not charlatans. And then, what was kind of what was next for you?
1: Yeah, that, that's exactly right. Spencer and I independently were were looking for for coaches, and and I started doing research. I saw that Justin worked with Blatchford. I read Justin's book. I read Blatchford's book and some others, and. All this, it was all good stuff, and and it all started to open my eyes. And I started learning about a different way of playing the game of dentistry than I had in the past. And and although I knew there were a a lot of really smart people in dentistry, I began to realize that there were a lot of really smart people in dentistry that were thinking about leadership. So I started, Spencer started interviewing some play, play firms, and I did too. And, and ultimately, we decided on you. And to, to be frank, our initial call, although I felt that some other companies had handled the call better than you did, and I felt that that you were passive on the call, but I also felt that you were going out of your way not to sell yourself to me, which which is understandable and, and I can appreciate, you know, especially as, you know, as, as we're all dentists, I, you know, I can see how, how that, that could happen. But I left the call wondering if you were interested in me as a client, but, you know, listening to the podcast, I, w- I was really impressed with your thoughtfulness and your intensity for learning. And you were passionate about what you had to say and, I, at the end of the day i felt i was buying into your character and and i and i i believe that was the right choice for us
0: that <laughs> that is really interesting and that's some really great critical feedback it's interesting because i sometimes feel that i have an overactive conscience I really just want to be honest and portray the truth as much as possible. And I think sometimes I may err too much on the conservative side. So it's really interesting to hear you Point that out. And I appreciate that. And it it makes me uh, it makes me think, oh, maybe I should be a little bit more aggressive on talking through things. But, you know, yeah, I mean, we all we all as dentists kind of understand that in working with patients, trying to be realistic, but also trying to paint a picture of what can happen as well. But yeah, I mean, that's interesting because that initial call that you're talking about was our consult call when you were basically like, hey, we're thinking about working with you. Let's talk through things. So it's interesting that even after kind of having some of those feelings and, and wondering that, but th- that you still decided to to move forward.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a great question. Why, why would you work with someone who, who you didn't think was great with a call, right? So I felt you developed a podcast persona that was relatable and which we felt was trustworthy. And I think ultimately what Spencer and I kept coming back to after speaking with companies was, you know, I don't really know what this guy is really like. Mm. And with you, we felt through your podcast, there was that certain level of real relatability. You guys were doing bread and butter, general dentistry, and just maximizing your profitability through strong team building. That felt like an attainable goal. And this is a really important point. There are are many places where you can get coaching, but if if you don't trust the people you're working with, you're going to be a lot less likely to incorporate their advice into your practice. So if if you're going with the tailored approach, I, I strongly recommend you work with someone you feel that you fundamentally trust. Yeah, great point. Uh, by the way, I wouldn't say you, I was let down. You just seem less confident about helping us out. It, it just led to more research. I'm not so sure you can judge anyone from a phone call. It's just an awkward thing. And I would say anyone who makes their decisions based on that type of information is probably going to do themselves a disservice.
0: Yeah, it, it is a tough process. And, and like, kind of a lot of a lot of times people have questions about the the coaching process and it can be difficult to give very specifics because everyone is so different and so so much of the process is getting to know the person, their financial situation, their, their mindset, you know, why do they see the world the way that they do? Why do they see the st- their staff, the way that they do? Some people, you know, really struggle with communication with, with patients and, you know, with the schedule and stuff like that. And others are totally fine with that, but they really struggle with leading their teams. And so every client is, is very, very different as far as, as far as the approach. And so sometimes on, on those you know when you're kind of doing that due diligence it can, it can be tough to nail things down but i i totally agree i think if you could only pick one thing when you're looking to find someone to work with find someone that that you, that you trust that you can look at them and say okay this person is is where i want to get to and i i relate to them and i feel like they can help me get to where i want to be and if you just have that in place you're going to trust them better And just that alone is going to allow you to take their advice and and run with it rather than questioning and and not feeling really, really great about it.
1: I want to add to that and just say that if we did not pursue it with you, it would, I mean, or we delayed it, I think about how much each month of delay would have cost us. And it's not just, you know, yet, yes, it's, it's, it's the financial aspect, but, but it's also the emotional cost of not dealing with progress. And I would say that concretely, you gave us several ideas where we made, I would say, 10 times our money on our initial investment within coaching. And when I think about that, I joke with it. I say, I say to Spencer, you know, I want to cry when I think about that amount. Now, I don't need to get into the initial investment on what, what we paid, but it's at least a 10... 10 time multiple on year one, that's a very, very powerful return. And it's a very, very powerful change to be made on, on decision, on decisions. Yeah.
0: The idea is that we're kind of looking at percentage changes, right? And so it makes sense on a, on a macro level and even on a micro level. So, you know, when you're looking at a very big business, And, you know, something that's like you said, like a billion dollars, it could make a lot of sense to pay somebody $10 million to come in and do an evaluation to help you grow 10% because you're going to make your money back in a a huge. Yeah. 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 And so, yeah, I totally agree. You know, in one-on-one coaching, you know, general, uh, most of the time, as far as coaching, you know, the cost is anywhere from, you know, 20 to 50,000 a year. And on a million dollar practice, you increase ten percent, that's that's a hundred thousand in a year. In your guys' situation where you're at, you know, two, two and a half million, and now we're on on track to be doing over three million, that's an incredible ROI on your expense and also on your, you know, your time and your energy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And that's only in year 1, right? I mean, if you can if you can keep that going, you know, you should continue to get those, yeah, compounding. You continue to get those yields and continue to grow year after year when you're not even paying for that initial investment anymore. So, it's a uh, Yeah, there's not a lot of things that I feel like are no-brainers as far as like investing in things, but that is one area that it almost, I mean, obviously you want to do what you can to, to make sure that you line up and your philosophies match and you feel good like we talked about. But if you can find that, it's almost always an, a no-brainer as far as the returns that you're going to see. It,
1: it depends It depends on the coach, man. I mean, sometimes, like I was talking to Ross about this the other day. I said, you know, I wish I found a, col- a coach for golf that I found for, like, dentistry. Like, it, it, it's, it, it's very difficult to get somebody who actually cares, and when you have somebody that cares and they actually take an interest in what you're doing and they're actually focusing on trying to make you better as opposed to just trying to collect a check, then that makes all the difference in the world, you know? So, By the way, that was one of the things that Spencer, you know, when we went to, Derek, you should appreciate this. When we went back to, when we talked to Derek, Spencer talks to one company and he says to me, you know, he says, you know, Derek's, I don't think that guy's going to screw us over. This is before we knew you <laughs> I heard you speak. I, I mean, I sp- I heard you speak on a podcast. I know who you are. Like if we're looking at another place, I, I don't even know who I'm getting. You know right. I mean? Right. We, we just the other people did not cultivate their persona or, or I mean, look, I, I mean, barring that we, we didn't think you were a sociopath. We just thought that you were we thought you were who you are. And, and I think that that resonated and, and it, it rings true with who you are whether we're talking to you on a coaching call or we're talking through the podcast, we're talking to you, you know, through email, you are who you are. Yeah. And by the way, I appreciate that.
0: I honestly, that's like, I, I honestly c- uh, couldn't think of a, of a, of a greater compliment because ultimately like really that's my, 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 that's my goal. I just want to be myself. I want to be honest. I want, I I don't want to, you know, put on this show that I'm, something different than than who i am and a big part of that is just the peace that it brings me in life you know when there's been times when i've thought oh what can i say or what can i do that's going to get the most views or or downloads or most attention or be most exciting and and now i'm to the point where i just really want to be myself i want to share what i'm learning and what i've what i've gone through i want to i want to have real relationships with people and dive into their practice and and make progress. So thank you.
1: That's a good goal, man.
0: Getting back to things. I think it's great that you point that out as far as time, because ultimately when it comes down to it, time is our currency. If, if you have, it's interesting. I don't know if I've shared this before, but you know, a few, like a month ago or so on a a Facebook group, the dental investment group, I, there was people talking about Warren Buffett's net worth and, you know, just how incredible and everything. And I posed a question on the, on the thread and just said, so if any, is there anyone in this group that would change places with Warren Buffett? You get his net worth, but you also get his 90 something year old body. And there was no one that's willing to do it. And that just points out that time, time is the currency. So once you realize this and you start to feel that urgency to figure out things in life and to make progress, the earlier that you can get some of these things figured out and make some headway, the earlier you're going to get to to where you want to be. So, I mean, a great message. Whoever you need to get involved with to accelerate your, your success, just do it. Stop waiting. So, I'd like to ask you guys. You know, we've highlighted some of the things that really helped you to take your practice to to the next level. You know, we worked we worked a lot on on setting goals and 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 getting them to the point where you felt like it was stretching you, but also felt like you could attain it. Um, we spent a good amount of time on that. We've spent a good amount of time on on the schedule, making changes with staffing to really make sure that you're supported, outsourcing some of the things that can help you to be more productive you know, a lot of these are just like, uh, have been some really great benefits and have really pushed, uh, you know, just, what was it like, uh, was it like last month or the month before you had the best month that you've ever had in the history of your practice. I, I think it would be good to kind of talk about what, what has been hard or challenging for you during this time. I don't want to paint a picture that, you know, you just, you just go through this, process in coaching and all of a sudden you start seeing these these great benefits. It doesn't come without work. So what have been some of the the pain points or the struggles for you guys during this process?
1: I can think on my end, I, I think it's always I think it's always going to be one thing I, I think that should be clear is just because you go through coaching doesn't mean that the struggle ends, right? So the the only thing is is that I I would say that I am much more aware of the issues that are internally going on within the office each week. And and they do go on. And I mean, literally today an issue came up and, and, you know, afterwards we're going to do a call and, and I'm going to go out over it with you. And so things still come up. I, I would say most of it is with the team and, and getting them to, to buy in and and want to execute and help us accomplish our mission. And I think that that's just an ongoing process. I mean, th- that's not a concrete answer. It's just the reality that we're always going to be struggling with getting our team to to move in the direction that we want them. Some some are moving at a, a fast rate, some are moving at a slow rate, but but we're we're, you know, we have a team of 20. And if I told you that everyone was a superstar, I, I would not be telling the truth. We, we 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 appreciate everyone. Everyone works hard, but it's still a struggle. Yeah, I, I would say what Ross is trying to hit on essentially is, is our leadership abilities. And 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 that's something that we really started to pick up on this year. You know, in, in the past. We were essentially doing everything that we could, and and the assistants were just ancillary assistants doing the fill-in spots where now, I feel that one of the most important things that we could do as owners and leaders is is develop our staff. And, and one of the best ways we could do that is by showing appreciation and, and taking an interest and in, in, in helping them develop because it, it doesn't just help our practice, it also helps them as people. And, and, and I think that, you know, work could mean a lot to people if we take an interest and we help them that kind of development and, and that kind of mastery of, of new skills that they're developing helps develop their confidence. And, and, and it just it's just it compounds and, and makes the practice so much better.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's really, really good stuff. It's interesting because like I said, you know, we've been working together for six months and even in that time frame, I can see the changes in both of you with the willingness to spend more time on leadership. You know, in the beginning, a lot of our conversations, it was kind of like, well, so-and-so's not doing this. They're not taking on the role like we thought they would you know we talked about kind of this idea of of extreme extreme ownership and i think both of you have have really changed significantly in the way that you think about your your practice and and your staff where you're you're willing to take take responsibility for those things and say instead of oh why aren't they filling the role like we thought they would you know you you ask the question okay what You know, what can we do to to provide the support where, you know, where are the missing links in where we are now and where we want to be?
1: Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. What has changed is I'm much more proactively involved in the leadership of the business. I knew leadership was important. I just I never thought of myself as being that guy. I now feel as though it's one of my goals as a person to develop into a good leader. I'm definitely not there yet. But just being mindful and working at it day in and day out, listening to leadership podcasts, working with you, and focusing my energy, my attention at it, I know I'm improving. As a fairly recent dad, I think a lot more about my legacy and what I want it to look like. And for me, I want to take our team of 20 and be a good role model for them, someone who helps them develop as people and someone who is an active participant in making their lives better. I can't think of a better way to spend one's life than to help one reach their potential. Formerly, I didn't think that deep personally about personal growth of each member of our team. I really wanted to be able to tell I want to be able to tell my children that I was deeply focused on not only improving our patients' lives but also our team's lives.
0: That's incredible. That's great. I mean, that's really, that's really next level, right? And that's, that's almost kind of what I was talking about a little bit with coaching, how it's a good return on my time monetarily, but there's also this, there's, there's also these intangibles that I was referring to. You can grow your practice, you can increase your income and live the life that you want. But when you can do all those things and you can also change the lives of those around you, that's, 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 that's pretty incredible.
1: I want to thank you publicly. And, you know, we are extremely appreciative of your insights over the past eight months, or six, I would say six months, actually. It's it's really been an incredibly positive experience. When I look back at some of my blind spots and how much they were costing me and my team, it, it's kind of embarrassing. One simple one was, was not having two assistants. That was Insane, uh, given our level of loss. Scheduling as well. But um, yeah, our scheduling was ridiculous. But there, there are others, and it's unbelievable how transformative a few big ideas can be. I, I would urge the listener, even if they have some modest success already, to seek some help, whether it be through TLP or somewhere else, because you don't know what you don't know until you start the process, and and make sure it's with someone you trust, because otherwise it's a waste of of, of time and money for for everyone.
0: Great advice. And and thank you. I appreciate that. It is a great experience and it's very valuable because I've talked about this before in previous episodes, but when you're in the trenches every day in your practice, you're so much involved with the little things that you kind of get barraged with that it can be difficult to see the big picture and where where the inadequacies are you know what the what the rate limiters are and so if you can get a, an outside perspective to kind of evaluate and to say hey you know this is you know this is this is a barrier right now let's 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 eliminate this barrier or let's 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 raise it so that then our our capacity is increased in this area you know so making some of those simple changes and working through those can can have huge returns and I I have told you guys before but it's just uh, you know it's already been a huge pleasure to work with with both of you you've both been great at accepting accepting responsibility and considering outside ideas and and thinking about things it can be tough when you've been, you know, focusing and doing things for so long to kind of consider outside ideas. And a big reason why you guys have been so successful in a relatively short amount of time has, has been because of your willingness to really be vulnerable and to look inside yourselves and your practice and to see where you could improve things. And by accepting those, that's what's led to your success. So props to both of you.
1: Thank you. I appreciate Thanks. That. We, we, we appreciate your work. Thank you.
0: Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope that this was enjoyable. It's it's always fun to have other voices on the podcast and kind of hear what other people are working through and what some what the challenges are. Ross, Spencer, if people want to reach out and uh, you know ask you questions, or you know they have maybe, maybe they're in a similar situation with their own practices, are you guys comfortable sharing any contact info or ways that they can uh, ask questions to you guys?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Ross Period Morgan at nbfdentistry dot com. Phone numbers five one six six eight zero ten forty one. Yeah, you can contact me at my email. It's my name Spencer Morgan eighty eight at gmail dot com. Spelled S P E N S E R Morgan eighty eight at gmail dot com.
0: Awesome very kind of both of you really appreciate it. So everybody take care as always, feel free to reach out to me and let me know if you have, have any, any questions, Derek, D E R E K at the Take care. And we will talk to you guys next time.